Episode 88 of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of DoubleJump.co. I'm your host, Bia, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, John. John, how are you, my friend? I'm pretty good. Uh, not, uh, not a ton of gaming. Also, not a lot of news. <laughs> We've got a bit. Um, but yeah, no, not a ton to talk about. I have a little bit to talk about. I'm reading a lot of manga, so I'll talk about one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, quiet week. How about you? Yeah. yeah, no, same, same on this side. It it didn't really seem like a big, big news week. Mm. I, I, I completely forgot that the Annapurna showcase was on over the past week. I, I feel like I there was no press around it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably true. It happened like right after we recorded too, so it's definitely one of those things mm. where it slipped in, slipped away <laughs> a little bit. Exactly. No, I'm, yeah, no, it was... Uh, I was, I was, it was a lot of fun coming back and and talking about games again after a few weeks, just <laughs> like not having anyone to talk to about it. So that, that was really fun. <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny how well, quickly you miss stuff like that. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, well, uh, just just for everyone at home, uh, if you've uh, been listening to us uh, for a little while now, you you notice that Kai had been co-hosting with John while I was away for the past few weeks and I guess he he made a good enough impression that uh, we have decided to bring him on as a permanent co-host <laughs> yes fully our choice <laughs> yes yes it was the the audience has spoken yes <laughs> no it's um uh, quick quick um just a quick history lesson Kai's actually been a long-time contributor to double jump as a writer and then when we launched the podcast, we had him on a few times. And uh, even though he stepped away from contributing from a written perspective, um, it, it's always been awesome having him part of the community and be on the podcast. So we decided to make it official and, and bring him back on as a permanent co-host on the show, as well as our new community lead. So expect him to uh, continue doing awesome work and and uh, being active on our social media and on our discord community so that's um yeah great to, great to have kai back uh, he's he's actually i think he's in the middle of the state driving at the moment so that's why he's not here today otherwise we would he would have uh, been here joining us as well yeah <laughs> that was definitely cool to see him back there we had a good time recording yeah. glad to yeah. get more of that mm-hmm Especially as like I'm, re- I'm I'm approaching retirement age and pass, I've got to get ready for the next generation. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, another thing is just just quickly like I feel like I forgot that this thing existed, but Meta had been working on its own competitor to Twitter and called mm. it Threads, and it was like launched early. Today, I think it was meant to come out later this week, and then Meta's like, "Ah, screw it, let's just get it out today." I couldn't find it on the App Store for ages, and I had to find it through a URL and an article because oh. when I searched for Threads, it showed up pretty much everything else except that app. So yeah, the Apple Store is really Store. bad at finding yeah. things that I want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and there was um the first result was for another like communications app called Threads, and 
in the t- like they had clearly updated the description and the title earlier that day to say we are not affiliated with Meta <laughs> to avoid <Yeah>. confusion. <laughs> so um, the interesting thing is um, the, the whole thing around Threads is it's going to be a decentralized platform like Mastodon, but it's backed by it's all the branding is saying that hey it's linked to Instagram not Meta or Facebook because clearly people do not like anything related to Facebook or Meta and Instagram's like the only thing that I think people trust at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it, I think it's made it a lot of, um, easier for a lot of people to jump on because mm-hmm. they already have Insta. Like, so, you know, so it's like, oh, I already have it. Might as well try it. Twitter's always on fire now. And it's just, you know, filled with shitheads <laughs> that aren't fun to interact with. So it's like... um yeah, I think it may, like I think it's smart to have that system. Like it makes it like yeah. compared to all these other ones mm-hmm. of varying quality and success, like that it has the best chance of being something, and especially yeah. of like usurping whatever Twitter's had for the last decade or so. Yeah, um, that's yeah. the thing. Like we had Hive. Like when Elon Musk did the takeover, oh, at the about Hive. <laughs> we had Hive for a hot minute. So that had a lot of momentum, but then they took the app down for a few weeks because of, I guess, the way I think about it is like the big hot dog restaurant or whatever sh- is like on fire. So then the hot, like the boutique hot dog cart at the front suddenly got a whole bunch of new, uh, new, new, new customers, but they didn't have the, the kitchen or the staff or anything to handle all the, all the, all the orders. So they shut down and renovated for a few weeks. And by the time they did that, everyone forgot about them. That's just how I kind of think about it. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> and, it, that, yeah. Yeah. Hive wouldn't have been helped by Mastodon existing. Yeah. And also maybe a couple others at the same time. Yeah. And then like, cause yeah, for me, like I switched to Mastodon, but I think Mastodon it's just confusing, like, you know, with all the different instances and stuff. And and then I think Blue Sky is a new one, which is a Jack Dorsey who's, like, the head. Like, he's, like, formerly from Twitter, like, one of the founders. Well, he was, like, CEO forever as well. Like, he, yeah. was, he was CEO before Musk took over. Yeah, and then... But he's, like, also oh, no, friends with Musk. Sorry. It's Mate, weird, it, like... Yeah, he's, he, he... um yeah. What's the word? He, um... Oh, like he supported he, the takeover, right? Yeah, like he was very on board with Musk publicly, at least. And yeah. but it's just like um, I said, I was talking to my friends about it the other day how like I I realized I kind of got tricked by Jack in the same way I got tricked by not not terribly so, but by Musk. <laughs> you know, in terms of like his image, it's uh, like yeah. for a lot of people who didn't pay a ton of attention to someone like Musk. Yes, and that in- did definitely included not in that I was like fully on the bandwagon of his weird semi-religion of all these fanboys yeah. um but it's like i definitely had a better <laughs> yes. impression of him initially and that was very much something he wanted and i realized like oh jack 100%. did the same thing to me where it's like oh okay like i've uh, that was like a tweet or something or you know something some blue sky post probably from mm-hmm. um a couple weeks ago where he like he officially endorsed jfk jr uh, like who is this like anti-vax nut who's kind of running against biden yeah. not even for a republican nomination and he not only said he supported him that he said like he said he will win and it's like <laughs> it's like that's like the least possible thing that could happen like, what is he so it's like yeah, that kind of made me realize like okay i kind of i was assuming you know wrongfully that jack was kind of clever 
and dude, it's like, oh, okay, this guy's, boat. He's, this guy's <laughs> far away from that idea. Like, I had that with Elon Musk until all the stuff around um, the buyout. Like, all like w- once Elon, like, went full, like, he went full Elon. <laughs> yeah. Like, Twitter was a yeah. new bar. But, he, you know, it's like, if you... It's easy, like if you started paying attention to him at some point, it's easy to yeah. kind of discover who he is. But it, that, you know, yeah. it, naturally it takes several people, you know, different le- like points to reach that. Because Musk just isn't that all that interesting to most people. People just assume yeah. what he is. Um, oh, yeah. anyway, I'm getting off track a bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, we both, we both had the same like epiph- epiphanies, I guess. Yeah, so I, I guess I was yeah. trying to think about... Don't Blue trust Sky. billionaires. Yeah, because I don't really... Yeah, because I'm not really on board with Blue Sky because of that. And also the idea that it's just yeah. trying to be Twitter again, which is like, well, Twitter wasn't great in the first place. Like, it was better than yeah. what we've got now, but it's like, I'd rather yeah. something a little better. But Yeah, so that's the thing. Like, at the end of the day, like, Threads is a meta company, so expect all the same privacy concerns. And that's the reason why... M- threads isn't released in europe because of the eu's very strict i think the 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 thing is the eu is doing a lot of work to try and ensure that companies that they're calling quote-unquote gatekeepers don't have the ability to congregate your personal data from multiple places and put them in one place and have like a master profile of you and i think if if facebook owns the kind of Sorry, if Meta owns Facebook, Instagram, and then Threads, and all three of them are the major players in their respective social spheres, you know, your photo video, your your kind of family and your, your personal connections, and then the the wider social space, if it owns all three major areas, that could be a real, like, that could be a recipe for disaster, I think. Yeah, it's like it's it's still like it's it currently is, you know. It's like so yeah. it's like yeah, like what you're saying. It's like I think the main problem with EU that I, my understanding of it because I haven't read up on it is that the main problem is being backed by Instagram specifically. If that mm. connection didn't exist, it wouldn't be a, as much of a problem releasing it. I think. Um, but mm, mm. actually, I'm not yeah. quite sure. And it, and it kind of makes sense. Like, why not back it off Instagram? Because Instagram is much more beloved than. Facebook and also Instagram also has like 2 billion users. So even if you get 5% of that, that's still like 100 million signups. Yeah. Within the first week. Mm. I was like, double jump, might as well have one already. It's like, yeah. it's already worked. <laughs> if, I'm, I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to sign it up, but you have to, you can only sign up through the app. Uh. Whereas I try to do it through the web thing and it's just like, then I got to try and log in, and then I already have my own profile and have my own kind of personal photography profile. So then trying to add a third profile to manage, it's like not designed for that. So it's very clunky. Like right. I hate these. Like if you want people to manage, you know, a brand or a community or something, make make it easy to do it. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah so yeah <laughs> my take is i don't like any of these new ones all that much meta's mm. not great blue sky does also doesn't seem great because it has do you see those toggles for like hate groups or something it's like that's absurd and oh. it's like mastodon seems a little uh, it seems fine but it's also yeah. it seems a little uh kind of messy for uh, what i need it for uh, not messy yeah. terribly I, I know i have an idea of what it is but it's just like i barely want to use like i barely use twitter in the first place so the idea of yeah trying to set up 
like a specific instance and i don't know i know it's not much yeah. work but it's also not it's like oh, i don't really care that much <laughs> the, the good thing about mastodon is it seems like the people like the the vast majority of people on mastodon are the people who didn't like where twitter was going so yeah. i mean i guess you could say we're the the woke people are on there but That's i feel bad. like the people <laughs> who say woke are the are saying the people who don't like me being racist, xenophobic, homophobic, you know, all the, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm against free speech, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, those people, they, they're on Mastodon. Twitter's for us, you know, us real oh, people. Yeah. Like, that's how <laughs> it's it's kind of become. <laughs> <laughs> the real fanboys who pay Muscate dollars a month or so. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, the thing anyway, I was going to say, though, yeah. <laughs> is like the only one I'm left on now, which I signed up for a while, but I'm trying to, do like do anything with this week was um co-host i like co-host a bunch it's a lot like tumblr except it's a bit more bloggy and less um, oh cool a little less obtuse to my eyes it's really nice so if anyone is cares about anything like that co-host is quite, quite see, cute. oh see i thought co-host for some reason in my head i thought co-host was the re- like the it was a Twitter alternative, but for Twitter spaces, like the audio. You remember how Twitter had like the audio? Oh, there's another one. Like called, they like, copied Clubhouse. from something else. Yeah, from Clubhouse. Like it's like a copy of Twitter's version of Clubhouse. And then because co-host, that's what that sounds like. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, sound like, like a blogging platform. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah just a. I was just wanted to get that one out there. <laughs> I was like, there's some All nice right. ones, but yeah. All right. Co-host. Cool. Cool. I, I'll I'll squat my name on co-host as well then. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, anyway, um, how about we how about we uh, wrap up the intro and, and talk about the news from this past week? John, Annapurna had a uh, interactive showcase of the past week. Uh, Annapurna Interactive being the the video game arm. Of Annapurna, the the kind of, I guess, now it's become it's a, it's a major media conglomerate. I think it used to be more indie a few years ago, but now I feel like it's it's like on an A twenty four level of fame. Tell us about uh about the showing. Mm. Well, just the, I think like Annapurna Interactive is slightly separate from the main film branch, which I think is in harder financial troubles. Last time I heard it. So yeah. I know that's the last time I heard about those two things as in like as like it overall. And I, and I remember, unit. I guess like we also talked about it. I think it was in 2021. Some of the allegations about you know, Annapurna Interactive not, you know, not doing enough to. Oh yeah, kind of stop the toxic, that. like the allegations of toxic work work cultures in some of the studios it partners with, and and how the publisher itself didn't really like being very hands-off and, and not supportive to the workers there. So right. I, I remember that being a thing a couple of years ago, but it, obviously it's been a while. <laughs> I don't think it was even two years ago, actually. I think it was like last year. Oh. Like it wasn't too... <laughs> yeah, it's kind of recent. Um, I, I've, I forgot about that. I'm glad you reminded me of it, to be honest. Um, but <laughs> I'm to here to bring everyone down. That's my job. <laughs> that's my job, usually. But <laughs> um, Yeah, John, tell us. Tell us what what, what happened. Yeah, so basically the last major-ish, at least, like showcase of this E3 season, I think. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. A bunch of new announcements, a bunch of new trailers. I think I was pretty into a lot of them, um, mm. personally. 
but yeah, we'll go through it. So first, new trailer for Lorelei and the Laser Eyes. Um, this is a puzzle game with a very strong, crunchy, low-poly aesthetic. Um, the trailers, it seemed to be a, mainly a story, kind of tone, atmosphere-focused trailer. Um, it reminded me, like, as it went on, it kind of reminded me a lot of Control a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it, I think I've, I was interested the last time I saw it. This one just got me fully on board again after not seeing it for a while. Yeah. Um, so. I think seeing the grandma, like the grandma with the laser eyes, <laughs> I was just <laughs> like, oh, I was, the, the entire time I was thinking, I was like, oh, laser eyes. And then when the title flashed up, I was like, oh, appropriate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so that's a puzzle game launching later this year. Um, mm-hmm. No release date yet, just 2023 so far. Um, not alone <laughs> as, as a game <laughs> releasing this year. Just just um, expected in October, apparently. Like, let's just yeah. expect it then. <laughs> yeah, at the very least, hopefully, it doesn't release on the 22nd, which is yeah. <laughs> just the battle royale of game dates this year. Um, <laughs> after that was... Oh, sorry, go on. <laughs> I was going to say, like, the, the crossover between the Forza Assassin's Creed and Lorelei <laughs> audience must be immense. Are those two also <laughs> on that day? I think they're that week, I think. I'm, I'm okay, because sure Alan Wake like, and yeah. Super Mario Bros. Wonder is on there as well. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think they're, like, within that week. I think okay. there's a, yeah. Anyway, there's a lot happening then. I think we... Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> pretty, week. pretty well covered. <laughs> yep. Um, after that was a new trailer for Cocoon. This, is the po- um, this was very recently announced at Summer Games mm-hmm. Fest. Uh, is a mm. puzzle game from uh, Jep Carlson. Um, he's the lead gameplay gameplay designer of Limbo and Inside. So last time it was announced, it was kind of shown off. Got some previews, got a good mm-hmm. buzz. Mm-hmm. Suddenly gets a new trailer, and now we know re- the release date for later this year. It's launching on September 29th. So um, yeah, that was looking pretty Looks good. Looks cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a lot of pedigree there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, after that was a new game reveal of a game called Lush Foil Photography Sim. Um, comes from developer Matt Newell, who's actually based in Perth in hey. Australia, which is kind of wild to see. Um, yeah, from the overview, overview provided is, quote, a tranquil exploration and photogra- photography experience featuring realistic in-game cameras and a vast selection of faithfully detailed landscapes presented in stunning visual fidelity. Yeah. Um, and Look no really cool. stay there. Yeah. Are yeah. you particularly interested in that one? You got your yeah. photography guy. Um, yeah, I love. Um, yeah, I was uh, I was actually watching the the video, and I was like, oh, this this like I was like counting the number of autofocus points and things like that. I'm like, oh, this is very reminiscent of like th- this is from a camera that is from like maybe ten years ago or something. Like it's very much of a time period, uh-huh. um, and whereas like a lot of modern cameras are very very different. Uh, like they're a lot more advanced now. So it's kind of like it, it's got that nos- it's got a bit of nostalgia to it. And also, it's cool because it, it's not just kind of handheld photography, but there's also drone photography in it as well. So it's like a, it's a cool take on, on um, like a simulator, but for like photography geeks like me. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because it made me think about how like the environments that showed off in the trailer seemed mm. really vast. And it made me yep. think about like, yeah, you kind of need to do that in a real photography sim, don't you? Like you need to yeah. have like wide open spaces with a lot more like capacity for photo you know like for like different ranges of photos yeah and i remember seeing like some japanese imagery in here as well so i don't know if it's like Mm. if it's just for like japan like the countryside or things like that or if it's different locales around the world yeah it's kind of hard to tell exactly Mm. yeah i guess we'll find out more um i guess hopefully by the end of the year 
Yeah, eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, after that was the announcement of Annapurna's um, Interactive. They're publishing a new title from Marumutu Games. Um, they're a um, developer behind Captain Star One. Um, this currently this new um, title that's being published is currently just known as Project D. Um, so mm-hmm. Marumutu Games is a Kyoto, Japan-based developer. They're also a married couple. So the um, the showcase kind of had this little clip of them like kind of talking about their game and talking about mm. how they operate as developers as like a married couple and it felt like you know as i was introducing it's like oh yeah this is, feels very annapurna this feels very this sub-publisher i think to um yeah pick up a game like this yeah it pretty much looked like what i'd expect like a annapurna documentary to to like to be like yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that's kind of the vibe I got, but it was cool seeing the, the the glimpses of gameplay as well, like to see that the game actually exists. Yeah, that always <laughs> helps. Um, yeah, so like from the little clip that showed off, like some of the quotes, or just to get like a better idea of the game as it is right now. So, um, quote: "We use the works of Rutger Bragman and Yuval Noah Harari as reference for thinking about humanity in the future." The game takes place in a future that could really happen. It's about daily place, daily life in a place called Rakuen, with meaning paradise. I think the problems presented in this game will be very familiar to us in the real world. Um, and that's more or less <laughs> what we know about the game as it's announced so far. Yep. Yep. When I'm looking for escape in, in paradise, I want to be reminded of how, how bad things are in my own life. Thank you. Thank you, Project D. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it does make it me curious cool. like, yeah, yeah it does make me curious about how uh, I think particularly I'm sure there's like lots of different fictions that are aiming for something similar but I feel like yeah. it's rare for games to aim for something that's trying to be accurate <laughs> like yeah. you know or like actually futurist I guess you know like actually mm-hmm. you know <laughs> certain vision of the future that feels real yeah, um, yeah. after that was the, another game announcement um, called Tour T um, comes from developer Uvala, um, and it's a new game from Katamari, Katamari Damacy's creator, Kaito Takahashi. So it seems like from the Steam page, the um, description for it is, quote, play as a teenager, in brackets, teen, <laughs> with a, no, it doesn't seem to have a name, it's <laughs> just teen, why. capitalized, <laughs> teen, um, yeah. with a unique posture, just trying to live a normal life in a small coastal town. <laughs> So I think it's a bit like it's kind of a similar vibe to like Octop- Octodad or something, you know, yeah. kind of like or you know one of those kind of games where you're doing mundane real world interactions, but you're yeah. limited by whatever circumstances your main character is. In. <laughs> yeah, it's basically, yeah, like he essentially the character is stuck in a T pose, which is kind of the default pose that like characters go-to in games but usually that's because of a glitch or a bug or like animations being broken but in this case <laughs> the whole game set like based on that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it looks like a like a slice of life manga or something <laughs> like so, like yeah. japanese high school coastal town um and then it's like in, like <laughs> yeah. if you go to the steam page there's like more details on it and it says something about like you know uh, basically unlocking new powers through the power of the T-pose, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> which I think you see in the trailer a little bit just... as well. It's like, like some, mm. there's also like a mention of like, um, like uh, uncover your like lineage or something. It's like, oh, this, I really enjoy that part. What? <laughs> that <laughs> made me laugh a lot. It. 
I mean, being a Keita Takahashi game, like, of course, there's a bit of zaniness in there. So, yeah, yeah. I, I trust him to, to deliver something pretty quirky and, and actually deliver. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, after that was a gameplay walkthrough for Flock. Um, it is mm-hmm. a... From Annapurna, their overview of the game is, quote, Flock is a multiplayer co-op game where players take on the role of flying shepherds, each tending to their own unique herd of adorable flying creatures. So it looks kind of like a journey like collectathon of yeah. like monster collector i kind of that was kind of the vibe i got from it yeah it's it's yeah you, you basically it's like you're you're i feel like i've seen this in i feel like i've played games like this before where it's like oh you've or maybe it's like even in in rts's you know when you when you select a number of units and then when you walk past another group of units they'll they they automatically magnetize and follow you and oh, then yeah. and then sometimes people break away and you gotta like get them back in like it just reminds you of that you played red dead one right yeah so it's like the mini game where you gotta like herd the animals and then like two or three or something like they'll just randomly break off from the flock and then you gotta move the whole group back and then they like magnetize onto your group <laughs> and you, and you gotta yeah. guide them to a destination so it's like that but a whole game <laughs> that's mm. what I think yeah I've got to um, I don't yeah. think it do not look like there was a ton to the flocks themselves like it seemed like they yeah. were just like a collection of things you've collected <laughs> yeah. not, I would be it's interested like a to see if they do of much things with, you've collected <laughs> yeah I, I'm really good at this writing thing um, so but it's like uh, it. what was I going to say oh yeah it kind of reminds me a little of Bug Snacks from the yes. gameplay overview they showed in terms mm. of like it's a monster collector, but the way you collect monsters or, you know, adorable flying creatures in this case uh, is closer <laughs> to, like, minor puzzles throughout mm. the world because it kind of shows one, like, having to, like, creep up close to one and then having to, like, I think sing to it yeah. um, in a, you know, to a certain success, successful mm. degree, so something like that. Anyway, it kind of remi- gave me a similar sense to it where it's, like, a quiet, quiet like, Gently paced collectathon. I don't know. Yeah, spending a bit too much time on it. Maybe um, <laughs> after that, <laughs> no, it's like I, I'm into it, but I mean, I, yeah, talk, there's not much to describe. I don't think. Yeah. Um, after that was the announcement of Ghost Bike um, from the developer Meshov. Mesov, not quite sure. Um, it is a stylized mm. racing game um, that quote puts players in the shoes of a streetwise kid from Freehub City on a mission to revive the last of the ghost bikes, the magical couriers who rode between the world of the living and the world of the dead. Ride the ghost bike to the afterlife and save the lost souls of Wheel World. Um, yeah. So it's like, um, yeah, the Steam page also mentions having a semi-open world, bike mm. customization and music from the label Italians Do It Better. Which I really liked that uh, <laughs> that music in the trailer. I've been trying to Shazam it, and like it's oh. apparently Shazam doesn't know it yet. So oh, fair <laughs> enough. I don't want to forget it, um, <laughs> but I probably will. Um, yeah, so that one's set to launch in 2024 for mm-hmm. um, basically every major console except Switch for now. Um, it'll also be available on Xbox Game Pass when it launches. Um, yeah, so I'm personally quite into that one. <laughs> I feel like there needs to be more like takes on racing games that aren't just racing games yeah so i'd like to see more adventure style yeah. things like that and i like the vibe of it a lot um, no, I, and I, i'm a sucker for that art style you know mm. hi-fi rush jet set radio like that cell shaded 
Like, I feel like even, I think Neon White is also, like, a, a cool modern take on that type of art style. Um, so, I was I was excited to see it. Yeah. It kind of reminded me a bit of um, Sable, that game I mentioned a couple of months mm, ago mm. or so. Like, like style-wise a little bit, but also, like, gameplay-wise, it looks kind of similar. And that you're just kind yeah. of, like, um, kind of uh, exploring this wide world that's quite sparse on purpose. And, you know, it's like art style does a lot of the, not a lot of the heavy lifting, but it's a, like a strong sense of identity, yeah. that kind of thing. It's, yeah, I'm curious yeah. to see how it turns out. Hmm. Um, after yeah. that, oh, go on. No, I was going to say, no, the, the, I was going to say the next next game. Yeah, okay. Um, after that was the reveal of the action RPG We Kill Monsters um, coming from developer Glass Revolver. So it's only announced for PC currently, and there's no release date. Seems to be a very early sort of announcement um, mm. for it right now. Um, I won't say everything that's on the Steam page. It's just like there's um, bits and pieces that I think you can kind of pull from it. Um, so it says like, yeah, just to introduce it. So, quote, thrown into the shell, homunculi, which are the players, are made to explore and hunt within the massive pit below their birthplace, the dying city of Idinu. Um, the main goal is to hunt the angel following its various tracks and using context clues to determine its location. Yeah. And then you've got like the, you've got co-op and like survival elements as well. So, you know, collecting resources, like food, weapons, items, like it's, yeah. Definitely we, more to it than I thought from the announcement yeah. trailer. Yeah. Um, and it was like, basically the announcement trailer was like, the, the creator like kind of walking around I guess like his neighborhood like his area <laughs> just saying um, yeah. <laughs> yeah I saw the start I forgot to watch the rest of it actually <laughs> <laughs> like I, I saw the start of it and it's like oh, okay like I, I went to go see like more information on it and then I forgot to come back to the actual like segment you, you didn't miss much there it's basically like him walking around and then like b-roll shots of the woods around his house and stuff so it's like okay so this is like a Shigeru Miyamoto thing where like he he just goes back to things he remembers from his childhood and that becomes a game, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, Maybe, but it, it, like I had a very strong atmosphere from what they showed of it. Very mm. soulsy. I think that was the main thing yeah. that stood out initially. But from the gameplay description, it sounds like it's almost got like Monster Hunter like, yeah, like uh, tracking mechanics and also all those survival mechanics tacked on as well. Like we'll see yeah. how it works, but it yeah. it's, it sounds very um very ambitious for what i assume is a pretty small studio but we'll see i guess yeah. but i like the vibe of it a lot mm. um yeah and then we had a announcement for mundorn coming to the current generation of consoles so this this um so mundorn is a it's a uh, it's like hand drawn like pencil shaded I don't know how to describe it. It was um, it was descriptions like a, there, man. Yeah, I was like, I right, I'll just go off what they say. Lovingly hand penciled horror tales set in a dark, secluded valley of the Alps. So, it it was a really cool game. Like, and the art style was very kind of, uh, uh how should I put it? Like, it, kind of like very striking when it was released uh, in twenty twenty one on the on the previous generation of consoles. So it's good mm. to see that it's been updated for. Uh, the new new systems so it's been at so Annapurna Interactive took over publishing from MWM Interactive and Annapurna is now publishing it across all platforms so this new version will support both uh, native 4k 
resolution as well as 60 frames per second and it's got some other like kind of bug fixes and things like that as well but but those are kind of the main two improvements to the game since then mm. yeah I, I don't think I've, i i'm i really don't remember seeing mundon at any point point i was surprised that i'd come out already some time ago mm. and it's like oh how's i not aware of this game already because yeah. it came out and everything too so it's just like i'm yeah i'm surprised i missed it i think because it was like one of those games that was you know, whenever there's like those showcases from Microsoft or something, and then there's just like they do the indie showcase thing, and it's just like a, a two minute um, reel, and it's like you get like five frames of each game. So I think that was like kind of snuck into one of those. And I think oh, now yeah. that Annapurna's like taken over, like it's uh, getting a bit more attention. So mm. <laughs> right, like, I'm, I'm very interested in it based on the trailer, though. It's like it has, mm. a, yeah, it um, reminds you of like Dusk or something little bit a few things but um yeah see how that goes um after that was the a trailer and a delay announcement for bounty star the morose tale of graveyard clem which is a basically a it's a big bunch of mechanics all at once it's a mech game but it's also got farming and base building mechanics um but and there also seems to be a strong story focus as well like following um a war veteran and mech pilot who's basically trying to uh, start a new life for herself and seems yeah. to be following that, that vein in a pretty sincere way. So it, yeah. it looks like it's got a lot going on for it. <laughs> it, got a, um, it does. Yeah, so it that was like meant to two be... two games in one. <laughs> to a little bit, yeah. yeah. I've kind of... I don't know, like, I'm not against it, but it is kind of amazing how many farming games seem to be coming out so mm. quickly. Either They're either meshed with other genres or they're just straight up stardew valley a bit you know (laughs) like it's like i'm not against it but it's it's like it does feel like that market has been uh very quickly um saturated yeah like when i when i saw this i was like oh okay so this kind of it's like looks like a spiritual successor to like the titanfall 2 campaign in terms of you know it's like a soldier with their mech and like a lot of the third person animations look kind of similar but then right. it's like okay, you you take that and then you cap you make it all about the mech combat, and then on and then now it's like oh by the way you're managing relationships and also you're cooking food and <laughs> and, you, and you're building up a base and he's like oh but I I just want the mech combat <laughs> you know <laughs> it's, it's something for everyone maybe mm. um, <laughs> <laughs> um after that was the announcement of Xbox ports for 2022 Stray the little cat mm-hmm. adventure game um that was originally. That was like a day one launch for PS Plus Essential or no, the other one, Extra or whatever it's yeah. called, the middle section of their yes. service. It was um, the reason why I got that PlayStation Plus. No, I think it was Extra. It, it came out on Extra. Yeah. Yeah, and then I was like, I'm going to play it. That's why I paid for the Extra. And then I never did. I was going to ask you, <laughs> did you play it? And I was expecting no, I don't it. I don't it up. And then... And then while we while this came up, I actually went. And I'm like, am I still subscribed? And then I'm like, no, I think I cancelled my renewal. <laughs> so I was like, it's <laughs> like to pay for another year of something that I won't use. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been doing that for the last like yeah. six months actually, because <laughs> I've got Fair the enough. PC and I just don't like yeah. touch it much. Because I, I, did... I, I don't have a PS5, so the PS4 version's locked to 30 frames per second even on the Pro. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh man. <laughs> sorry, sorry, John, you were saying. <laughs> Oh, I, I was saying um, I just ordered, it's probably a weird time to do it, but I was able to get like a slight discount on the PS5 disc version 
So I just got one of those finally to replace my digital-only version that I've got. And I'm selling that one to my friend. I was going to say, like... (laughs) Yeah, I'm not having two of them. Oh, wow. (laughs) Anyway, um, uh, my point in bringing that up is, like, I might actually use a bit more now. (laughs) Because it's like Final Fantasy sixteen has been annoyingly uh, alluring to me, even though it's got uh, understandable criticisms towards its Mm. diversity and such. But um, hey, there was a, like I was looking, I was reading through Kotaku, and it's like, oh yes, it has the first, it it actually has a gay kiss, and doesn't like pretend to say, oh no, this person's not gay; they're actually a woman, just androgynous. Now I think they confirmed that the two characters are actually gay, so it's like, okay, so they've taken one step forward and then eighteen steps like <laughs> sideways or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it's uh, yeah, it's got issues of varying degrees <laughs> um mm. after that yeah. was the announcement of a release date for the game thirsty suitors um, from yeah. outlook games um that's launching for practically everything on yep. november 2nd also launching on X- xbox game pass um mm. i tried to like tried to find a chunk in the like gameplay overview like on steam or something and like all of it's <laughs> too messy to get a, a concise description of what it is yeah. I'll, I'll try my best <laughs> <laughs> so okay, the right. little bit is the, the story hook is basically quote Kanjala or Hala I'm not quite Jala Jala um, um, handle her demanding parents reconcile with her exes and mend broken friendships in time for her sister's wedding will she be ready for the impending visit of Nani the family's terrifying and judgmental <laughs> matriarch um, and the gameplay is basically split between turn-based combat skateboarding and cooking yeah. um, it, it was I like the way I, I so, uh, uh, folks who don't know, uh, I I'm of a Southeast Asian background, so I come from uh, a Bangladeshi family. My wife comes from an Indian family, so like this this is about you know someone who's like a first or second generation Southeast Asian kid, like kind of trying to deal with a whole bunch of different things that you know a, a, like a girl from that kind of family would face. But it's it's like in a kind of like over the top way like sort of it's I, I don't know how to i don't know if it's like um it, it just takes the 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 abstract idea of you know disappointing your parents or you know like this overbearing like matriarch and you know things like that and it has a fun twist on it mm-hmm. and it, it was kind of funny seeing the way that the like you know one of the things is like a, like a cooking mini game is basically you facing off with your mum and there's like different prompts coming up on screen and things like that so it's like a really cool take on um like things that shows like never have i ever and stuff have kind of tackled before so it's right. it cool to see <laughs> mm. um i think it felt like to someone who's not connected to that world um personally it did remind me a lot of scott pilgrim a bit you know it's like a yes real, yeah yes definitely i got that vibe as well Especially around the ex, like mending relationships with your exes, and or like you know yeah, facing off with your exes. One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it feels like it. It feels like it has a similar like um, sincerity to it. So sort of, like you know, kind of the way it kind of um, blows up this yeah. otherwise mundane sort of drama premise. Yeah. You know, like it, it feels similar. It's like kind of like delivering on the prim- on the promise that like the Miss Marvel show had. Where you know there could have been th- ways that could have gone, and then that didn't do any of that. <laughs> sure. Instead, it was just yeah. like a generic Marvel show. But this looks like it's actually like a fun and like uh, interesting 
like a, like a creative take on it. It's pretty mm. cool. Yeah. Um, after that was announcement of a port of Storyteller, um, mm-hmm. the puzzle game, coming to Netflix, um, which it, it's announced as coming to iOS and Android, but it's coming to those platforms via Netflix on September yeah. 27. Um, comes from da- uh, developer Daniel Bermergi. Ben Mergi. I tried to look up how to pronounce it better, but I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was on the Canadian. right wavelength, but when I actually said it, it's like that's slightly wrong. It doesn't matter <laughs> too much. I got it mostly right. Um, <laughs> so the September twenty seventh release on Netflix also add also comes with a new update, free update for the existing version of the game that came out in March on Switch mm-hmm. and PC. Um, mm-hmm. These add new scenarios and characters. So to kind of describe the game. Um, for those who weren't super aware of it, because I actually forgot. I, I remember seeing a trailer for this a while ago, but I, I'd forgotten about it. Um, it's ba- basically a puzzle game about re- rearranging arranging characters, settings, and emotions across like comic book panels. And that way you can mm. kind of recreate iconic stories or craft brand new ones. That's kind of the idea. It, it's yeah. very, it's, it looks very cool and nice. Like, it looks very, um, a bit of a sandbox for a puzzle game, I think. Yeah. Which I think is yeah. kind of unique for a genre. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, what do you think about these kind of mobile ports where you, where you can where it's quote unquote free, but you need a Netflix subscription to access it? So it's still gated behind a subscription model. What do you think? About I don't that? think anyone's calling it free this time. Oh, okay, like, yeah. You need a oh. you need a Netflix subscription to yeah. play these games. Oh, I keep forgetting <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> I, yeah. I keep reading the games as being like launch through it and it's like oh and then i just totally forget to look yeah. into it because <laughs> there's at least mm. a few games there that are meant to be quite good and like quite i don't few, otherwise like, have access to yeah like into the most like i think notable one was like into the breach so the follow-up to faster than light so that one like the the ipad like the mobile version of that was like hotly anticipated for years and then it's like oh yeah yeah it's coming to like mobile but you need a Netflix subscription. It's like, oh man, yeah. But it's like there's yeah. Oxen Free as well. Oxen Free, sequel, as well, I think, is releasing one. on that. Mm-hmm. And then there's yeah. like there's a couple the of Altos others. games and stuff. Yeah, right, all right, yeah, um, mm. yeah. So it's yeah. I'm not I'm not quite sure. I feel how I feel about it. It feels so. Uh, it feels like a good way for games to get a new audience, and for developers to get a solid payday. And no one seems to really get hurt from it. You know, like it doesn't mm. feel like it's really negatively affecting anything. As yeah. is, um, so like <laughs> yeah. I, I don't feel too bad about it. Fair enough. Um, and it seems like they're picking up cool games for it too. Yeah. It's not like it's just think, you know trashy, yeah. Candy Crush type <laughs> exactly. style things. I think the main um, I think the main arguments against it is that when Netflix does that, it also means that you can't buy the game separately. You know, you s- some people will be like, "Oh, I'm happy to pay you know ten bucks or fifteen bucks. I just want this game standalone. I don't want to have to be you know." subscribe to netflix so i think that's the argument like why not have both like a netflix free version as well as the one provided by netflix yeah it's fair i do wonder how many people like i'm sure there's lots but it does feel like the landscape of you know one and done mobile Mm. game purchases are like they've been rare for a while yeah but i do wonder just how many people rely on games like that yeah for commutes and stuff because it does feel like those people are becoming less common like unfortunately, really, but it's just. Um, I, I wonder how much of a market there is for those kind of yeah. releases, anyway, for on for mm. mobile specifically. Yeah, because I feel like, I think the Switch, 
for all the talk about mobile games destroying consoles like 10 years ago, whenever that was, you know, when the <laughs> iPhone was like kind of like uh, like the next big thing and iPads were becoming popular. I think then the Switch came along and then reminded people, oh, you know what? A dedicated system for just this with comfortable controls. There's actually a place for it in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so who knows? It's uh, We'll see what happens. Mm. Um, but the final reveal, final announcement of the Annapurna Showcase is the reveal of Blade Runner 2033 Labyrinth. Um, this is the first internally developed game from Annapurna Interactive. It was announced for console and PC, um, but no other details there in terms of um, platforms. And there's also no release date announced uh, or gameplay. It's a very stark <laughs> announcement. Um, the only yep. the only information we have so far is the description, with, and like aside from the trailer itself, that says, "quote Set between the original film and 2049, Blade Runner 2033 Labyrinth takes place after the events of the Blackout, and asks, what does a Blade Runner do when there are no replicants left to hunt?" Um, I don't remember what the blackout is. Yeah, is that from the anime? <laughs> I remember I, that because oh, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's what it's called or something. I don't really, I really don't remember. But it made me realize, like, oh, that's right. I never actually watched that. I think the blackout is. Uh, I could be wrong. It might be like when replicants were made illegal. Yeah, it did make me real. Like when it says like <laughs> like it describes those events, I have no memory of. It's like wait, I watched twenty forty nine when I came out. Yeah, there was a mention remember. of the blackout, <laughs> but it's been ages. I don't remember. Yeah, I mean there was that uh there was that prequel kind of promotional short film. I think it was called like Blade Runner twenty forty eight or something. It was centered around the Dave Batista character who gets like murdered at the beginning of the movie, like oh. talking about him and and things like that. But yeah. It, I hope it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, to get the full story, you need to have read this obscure like v- visual novel that was only available for six months in 2013. You know what I mean? Like one of those things. <laughs> I love those kind of things, actually. <laughs> like I've never actually engaged with them, but I like I love the idea that extremely important Matrix canon is locked to the MMO or whatever it was. Oh yes, I love that stuff. Like, I think that's amazing. Um, that, yeah. Now, now it's just oh you. you now the modern version of that is just like Disney Marvel shows it's just like oh you want to know what happened from Avengers Endgame to now like oh you've got to watch all these eight shows (laughs) for one reference in episode three of this show (laughs) (laughs) and you love it (laughs) Um, uh, yeah so I think like the one as someone who doesn't isn't super I feel like I always describe myself as this, but like I'm not like obviously not super in the know of what how the Blade Runner universe. But I did get the sense during the trailer is that it does feel like this game could shed a lot of light on the world outside of what the movies showcase. Because it's like it seems to be a um, like an investigator basically like flicking through memories or locations or like events or something. Yeah, which made me think about it's like, oh, okay, you can get like so if some sort of detective going through memories hmm. in a Blade Runner. <laughs> Is that what Blade? <laughs> I thought Blade was something else, but like, um, <laughs> but it's uh, no, but it's like the idea of like being able to get like an actual vast, like a uh, larger scope of the world as we see mm. it. Um, typically, it's just like, oh, yeah. we could like suddenly learn a lot about how this universe is and was yeah. in this video game <laughs> from a relatively <laughs> smaller publisher it's just like it's like it could, i don't know like i really have no idea i just yeah. got the sense like oh this could be more important wonder, than these usually are i wonder if they acknowledge the canon 
of the Blade Runner full motion video game from like the nineties. It was like <laughs> it was like pitched as the sequel to Blade Runner, like official canon sequel. And I, oh, I feel really? like I feel like the move, like Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and everything since has kind of like ignored it. But I, I, I could be I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't uh. that makes sense. For <laughs> FMV <laughs> game. <laughs> I don't think I've heard of that before. Like I feel like I've yeah. maybe seen that mentioned like once or twice ever. But it's definitely not yeah. something I have in my memory otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> I it's want like, to know more about that, that one. That was the thing. It was like the the multimedia kind of revolution in the 90s. Like once CD-ROMs became very uh, prevalent and like easy to access, like there were a lot of full motion video games that had a lot of, you know, they were, they were tied into existing franchises and even like, even games like adventure games and things like there was... Like I feel like the Indiana Jones adventure game from LucasArts, like... Lucas, Lucas, Lucas game, whatever it was, like, I, I keep, I keep forgetting, but, like, yeah, like, that, like, it's from that kind of, um, period of time where there was a lot of, um, a lot of interest in, in kind of telling stories as part of these, like, cinematic universes, but in video game form, so this is mm. just, like, who knows, this might be the, the modern, the, the resurrection that we, we all wanted. <laughs> yeah i'm pretty cool with that i think yeah. <laughs> why not uh, it looked moody I, I i i like the fact that it was very moody and atmospheric like it mm-hmm. does capture a lot of the original movies vibes and and also the i think like 2049 also like visually is a very striking film and looks really nice so i think it does a good good job of that yeah like the teaser definitely sets its up uh, sets itself up well to like follow through on what the movies have uh, done but yeah <laughs> we I've need more it. red eyes though like <laughs> that's that's how you that's that's how you know you've you've really kind of answered these deep questions is you know the questions about red eyes like is Decker a replicant things like that <laughs> uh, uh, i actually don't know enough about blade runner anymore to <laughs> play with that <laughs> you've, you've forgotten more <laughs> yeah. yeah um all you have to know, Miracle Robot Baby. That's that's 2049. <laughs> that's the premise of 2049. That's all you've yeah. got to know. <laughs> um, anyway, speaking of outlawing robots. Yes. Uh, Valve. Great segue, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so this is, a, this is a report from GameDeveloper.com, kind of following on from some, some, uh, some things that have been brewing over the, I guess, over the past year or so since generative AI has become a huge thing. Like, you know, when... When crypto, when everyone realized crypto was a scam, I feel like everyone kind of, like the exact same people switched over to AI. They're like, oh, AI is the next big thing. But I think unlike crypto, I think AI actually has applications that are... It also feels like <laughs> yeah. uniquely destructive. <laughs> yes. In a similar way. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I, I like, Quick aside, I loved like when, I think it was a couple of months ago that like, the news came out that there were governments using like crypto payments to track, you know, illegal activities and stuff. And a lot of these crypto bros came out saying, Oh my god, what? This is this is not right, this is not the spirit of crypto when they like the whole point of crypto is so that every single transaction can can be, you know, traced. <laughs> like, that's yeah. the whole point of it. Um <laughs> versus like like regular cash, but yeah. Anyway, oh, uh, um. uh, this is like very much a segue. But have you seen many of those like Bitcoin like ATMs 
where you're what's up with that no i haven't I've, seen I've them, se- but I there's have, one yeah. there's one in our local like iga actually i think i have i think i've seen one okay <laughs> but it's like the only one i've seen and it's like it's like nowhere anyone would use it like on top yeah. of it just being 2023 where no one would use it it's like yeah. in my suburb <laughs> in this iga like there's a coles down the street <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> clearly the clearly they couldn't afford the uh the real estate in, in a coles supermarket yeah whatever manager of this like mall part Around like where I live, yeah. is some <laughs> some sort of rube. <laughs> Clearly, just heard about crypto from his like nephew's best friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. uh, well, essentially, what's happened is that uh, Game Discover Co. founder Simon Carles uh, revealed uh, that Valve had um, had, I guess, issued a notice taking down or. I guess saying you need to submit a quote rougher version of the game. Um, uh, I'll I'll just make it. I'll just I'll start again. So Simon Carlos, who's one of the co-founders uh, of a game from Game Discover Co., um, he was going to submit a quote a rougher version of one of the games that they're working on with two to three AI generated sprites, um, like. Basically, rough renders before his team goes in and fixes up and, uh, you know, finalizes the artwork. In response, Valve said, uh, apparently Valve had sent back a message saying that, quote, the company, quote, cannot ship games for which the developer does not have all of the necessary rights. This is in relation to the fact that imagery that's produced by these generative AI algorithms is actually based on thousands if not millions of source work right and a lot of the source work is stolen from artists like it's 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 like it's not like you know the people behind oh now i'm blanking oh she's like ah what's one of them i feel like uh (laughs) what what (laughs) oh my god i was gonna say deep mind yeah um yeah like vertex uh, and things like that, Dolly, like these these uh. different AI uh, art generators, they they can't just produce something from nothing. They need a lot of source imagery to work with, and a lot of the times, the developers of those programs upload images from wherever they find it, regardless of who owns the the, the rights to the work that they're putting in. So it kind of it's created this kind of legal gray area where it's like. Okay, if you create some, if you quote unquote create something using these programs, do you actually own the rights to those to those images? Given the fact that those images are the result of other people's copyrighted work, so the quote here is that this is from Valve, is that after re- <coughs> after reviewing, we have identified intellectual property in the game, which appears um, to belong to one or more third parties. In particular, the game contains art assets generated by artificial intelligence that appears to be relying on copyrighted material owned by third parties, which I guess, kind of like if you take it at face value, kind of makes sense. We don't know, we can't verify the fact that the artwork is all your own intellectual property because it's made using other people's work, right? 
And quote, as the legal ownership of such AI-generated art is unclear, we cannot ship your game while it contains these AI-generated assets unless you can affirmatively confirm that you own the rights to all of the IP using the data. Um, set that train the AI to create the assets in your game. So unless you can prove that the input images that you put into this AI generator were images that you owned the copyright to, unless you can prove that, we can't, you can't submit the game in this current state need to take out this AI-generated art because I guess Valve is afraid of you know, potentially breaching any copyright laws here. Right. Now, in response to, uh, I guess, uh, Simon Carlos releasing these leaked, I guess, correspondence, um, Valve uh, sent an email to Game Developer and one of the spokespersons said that um, quote, it's not trying, the company's not trying to discourage, quote, the use of generative AI and that its uh, review process, quote, is a reflection of copyright law and policies and, quote, not an added layer of our opinion, end quote. So, um, you know, Valve goes on to talk about the fact that it's learning, you know, AI is new, it's learning about AI and everything like that. So the the issue here is the fact that I guess law hasn't caught up with, you know, AI, which if you think about it, I don't know if law ever will, considering the uh, iterative nature of AI and how it's always changing. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, I guess from Val's perspective, if you can't prove you own the copyright to any of these images, we can't let you submit the game. It's It's the same as you submitting, you know, a game that has like you know assets taken out of like you know you've done a color swap of a a game sprite from another game you know it's like kind of the like kind of the the equivalent of that uh, until yeah. until yeah you know the law gets updated mm. yeah it's uh i don't know it's good to see valve taking action mm. today even though there's you know the best reason you know like the most logical corporate reason to you know like, it's not really based... Like, you know, them saying it's like, we don't discourage it, which is fine. Like, I don't know. Generative AI isn't inherently bad, but it does feel like it's going to lead to very much, very little good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't feel like it's always something, yeah. something that's going to, like, um, you know, kind of really help anyone in any significant way aside from... Yeah, like, I guess, like, making rough versions of stuff they're going to completely replace later, like this guy yeah. claimed to be doing. Um, but yeah, you know, it's fine. I don't know. I don't have like, I, I know like AI feels like something that's going to end up having a, like this art generation AI, I guess, mm. is not going to have, doesn't seem like it's going to have a net positive impact on game development in certain ways in yeah. terms of the people who make games and yeah. even even the players sometimes because AI generative art isn't necessarily good either. At least yeah. currently, like it's you know it's gonna naturally get better, but it's also very um you know, it's innately what it is, which is just a pastiche of existing styles and artworks rather than its own actual thing. So yeah. it's I don't know. Um, 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 that's my take on it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you're right. I I agree. Like in and of itself, like in a vacuum, it's not a bad thing. But I guess the way people have been using it so far and like just willy-nilly taking things from other people and just shoving it in there is kind of not mm. cool. I guess the argument could be said that, oh, you know, you know, if you're a painter and you've seen all these different artworks, like aren't you just reproducing the ideas that you've been influenced by? But I think it's like, 
Yeah, but not literally. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's... it's Yeah, you're not literally... Inge- uh, like, you're not literally ingesting that other person's work and claiming yeah. it's yours. So, it's... Yeah, it's... Because it was like... Because it makes me think of, like, one of that dude on Twitter who made a picture book using fully AI yeah. everything, and then he just got completely dunked on by everyone but everyone else who was super into the art idea of making money yeah. off AI artwork. And then the other one was, like... Um, there was, like, a recent story about Amazon's, you know, independent um, book library. Mm. So, mm. Like completely... Flooded. Br- yeah, brigade- brigaded by AI-generated stuff <laughs> yeah. in a way that's completely screwed it up and ruined it, yeah. at least as it currently is. And, the, you know, and Amazon's bad at managing stuff like that in their own right, which means, and yeah. like, you know, they're not the only ones who are bad at managing, <laughs> like, content <laughs> libraries like that. So, it's that's like... The their policies are not designed to deal with that. <laughs> but they were barely good at, you know, dealing with what they already had, like you know? Normal humans. Like, if you... Because, like, I don't know how it is in other countries, but if you look on, like, a, a, the Australian version of Amazon, mm. like, the book thing, book library there, it is total trash. It's yeah. really bad. Like, it's filled <laughs> with so much garbage. I'm, d- I'm just like, picturing, like, a lot of generic fantasy and romance novels that were just, like, very... Like... Let's just say there weren't as much work wasn't put into them as like the original works that they'd probably be cribbing from. <laughs> that's, that's how I think about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, I know you're not on LinkedIn as much, but one of the things that's become a thing over the past, I guess, few months has been a, a, a title called AI prompt engineer. So uh, a, a person's entire <laughs> job is to figure out the right sentence to write. As an input for an AI, so that that prompt creates the right result, and people are like, people have published ebooks and are doing spe- speeches, and are like calling them like job title is prompt engineer, and getting paid a lot of money because they <laughs> figured out the right syntax to use, which is uh, like, it's like it's like the ultimate wankery, I think, is at, at the moment. It's like gurus in tech hubs or something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I actually don't know fully about that role, but that sounds right. It's like when anyone says they're an engineer and they haven't actually, like, they they haven't actually studied the ethics and the actual, you know, the rules and and all the the hard work to become an engineer. Like that's when I'm like, okay, you're not, you're not, like, like shut up. (laughs) Just just say you you write AI AI prompt writer. Just say that. Even that is like a bit. Wankery, but anyway, yeah. That's just, yeah it suggests a lot more than what it is every yeah. time. <laughs> like you, you can like try to like flatten it yeah. down further and further. It's like oh, it still sounds too good like, for you to like. Like, listen, I love sound design. I love the behind the scenes of what goes into movies and and things like that. But when I hear someone say, "Oh, I'm an audio engineer," and they're not someone who like you know studied for four years the physics of you know microphone microphonics and sound waves and things like that. They're just like some guy with a beard in a in a recording studio. It's just like like why are you called an engineer? You're not engineer. Like just say you're like a you know you you're you're someone who's like a technician. Like you know you're you're good with sound. <laughs> like I don't know. You got to find another phrase for that. It's like, <laughs> Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> Kai's gonna come back next week with like, like with the union reps <laughs> to shut us down. <laughs> um, oh. Anyway, I think anyway. Uh, talking about shutting down, um, <laughs> what a roll! <laughs> what a roll! <laughs> um, 
the uh, next story is that Niantic, <laughs> the developer behind <laughs> what? <laughs> As, like you said, next story. Like you're asking, <laughs> you're asking like, me to move, like click the next slide on a presentation. Uh, <laughs> that's the kind like... of energy I like to have. <laughs> <laughs> Corporate slide pusher. Um, yeah, next one is that Niantic has cancelled a number of projects and also closed its um, LA office to prioritize Pokemon Go, basically. So as um, this report comes from Kotaku, so they've shuttered the L- Los Angeles studio. Um, they're moving away from in-house game development. Um, shutting down the LA studio also means laying off 230 employees, <sighs> uh, which also th- and also shuttering the game NBA All World and also canceling its upcoming Marvel World of Heroes. So it's, um, yeah, big changes all of a sudden. Um, so this comes from an internal email sent to employees a um, number of days ago from the company founder, John Hankey, Hank. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that surname, actually reading it. Um, explaining that this decision came from the studio's, quote, expense, that, that because the studio's expenses grew faster than its revenue. So um, it says, it notes that there were revenue surges during the COVID-19 pandemic, but uh, as the years have gone on since then, there's also, there's been a decline in revenue and also that the AR game market um, has become much more crowded since Pokemon Go launched in 2016. So in closing the LA studio, Pokemon Go is a top priority for the company. Um, Long-term goal is to quote, keep it healthy and growing as a forever game. Um, Other Games from Niantic, um, Pikmin Bloom, Peridot, and Monster Hunter now will continue development. Um, they aren't getting closed down. Um, but the company also plans to continue investing in AR maps and platforms for developers to build and monetize their own AR experiences while also minimizing Niantic's own internal projects. So Makes basically sense. kind of, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so Niantic's basically scaling down its yeah. operations as like a bigger outfit mm. um like a lot of tech companies over the past 18 months like yeah. since since companies have opened up after covid especially did like tech companies who had like a big surge of users and a lot of money coming through now that mm. people are back to work and you know <laughs> not spending as much on, on things like this on, on games or like apps like this like it it's a it's like a big correction that you know companies like Google, Facebook, Amazon, Meta, like a lot of people went through like a few months ago, and now, I guess yeah, it's hitting the antic, which is is never is never positive news to hear. Yeah, um, it does make me interested in how the AR AR like augmented reality game market, like where it's actually going to be going. Because yeah. Apple's kind of banking on it a little bit, not necessarily yeah. in terms of games, but aug- augmented reality in general. Mm. And yeah. if Apple's doing it, there's a good chance it'll take off in some way. Yeah, whatever and, that means exactly. And that's like something that Meta's been pushing as well. Like, remember that news story where Mark Zuckerberg forced Facebook employees, sorry, Meta employees, to do all their meetings in the Meta environment. Because no one was using. Like, <laughs> I then, think you got to talk about yeah. the legs. <laughs> oh yeah, well, there's an, I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things to be said about Mark Zuckerberg, but we'll we'll just keep it to AR for the time being. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, and and like you know, Microsoft's been on the the AR front for a lot of time. So I, I, I guess crucially, 
Uh, sorry. I, I wanted to say uh, it doesn't take a genius to say that an AI, an AR take on the NBA is, wasn't needed. <laughs> it's not something. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> I didn't actually look it up, but, like, that was, I don't know, the idea of trying to force augmented reality onto all sorts of things. It's like Witcher had one. Yeah. What a weird property to bother with that. But, at like, all. at least with Witcher, it's like, okay. There are monsters in the world, right? Whereas it's just like, oh, look, a basketball hoop has appeared. <laughs> and there are people around. You want to play some hoops? But it's like, that's just, it doesn't, you, like, <laughs> I'm picturing someone walking through grass and, like, a, a wild LeBron James appears. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a bit closer to, like, um, it's weird. Like the NBA, like the 2K games, right? Like, in terms of, like, you're trying to get better versions of existing yeah, players like a fantasy league or i don't yeah. know i am curious how that works though that game in particular um, <laughs> it's it's just yeah just like i get monster hunter i get the witcher and stuff because there's there's actual creatures that would that you know with ar would be cool like the scale of it and things like that kind of makes sense you know but <laughs> just NBA. <laughs> like like marvel like what a what oh. <laughs> look there's there's a there's a there's a scroll. Oh, that person's a scroll. And then it's like, oh, what? That person's a, like, that. look, it's a sentinel in the air. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm guessing Marvel would be closer to, like, doing busy work as a superhero, <laughs> just walking around doing stuff. I don't know. Uh, I guess. <laughs> look, that old lady's a scroll. Punch her in the face. <laughs> Take action. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm just like. That's <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> Um, what was I gonna? Oh yeah, but I, it makes me curious because like I've I stopped playing Pokemon Go like a year or so ago. Mm. Um, that game's like, as far as I know, that game's been really like its community hasn't been happy for a long time with it, you know. Yeah. And they just keep making decisions that are about really trying to like very forcefully pushing people to play outside more while usually giving them less to do so, you know. Yeah. Like it's it's, it's becoming a very like exploitive uh, situation for the player base mm. in Pokemon Go. But it's like, you know, that's the game that they're basing everything on now. Yeah. Like, they're, you know, they're relying on that one. And it makes you think, it's like, man, I wonder where they're going to go. Like, it does feel... Like, yeah. I'm sure Pokemon Go will stick around forever, you know, for the foreseeable future. But it, yeah. um, it doesn't feel like Niantic's going to do all that much better. Though I guess yeah. if, if other developers can, like, use their setup to make better stuff, maybe there's mm. something there. Yeah, we'll see, I guess. And I guess they can make money from licensing. You know, there's going to yeah. be a lot of companies like, like, hey, we've been making. I think the antics like been around since like 2006 or something ridiculous like that. And so there's like you know potentially almost two decades worth of experience working with AR. Like, imagine instead of you setting something up from the ground, you could be like, hey, I'm a, I'm a big real estate group. I want to create AR experiences for like my top clients so that before they like I don't have to you know before like say this high rise apartment building's built I can actually like kind of virtually take people through what their apartment could look like you know instead of me spending like a gazillion dollars trying to figure that out from the ground like um how about I just license this technology and just get like a handful of like software people to kind of figure this out and adapt it to my application. So it's right. it's kind of like like that's like a potential way that they could make money. It's 
it's like one one of the things to think about is like it's it's like companies like IBM pivoted, you know, at at one point they were the ones making the hardware, they were the ones you know, doing all the heavy lifting from the software front. And eventually they're like, you know what, we can actually make more money by just selling off our hardware business and then licensing all the, like, the quote-unquote quote solutions we have. We've got all this expertise. That's the capital. That's the thing we sell. So you guys buy our expertise and our knowledge, which, you know, is just always expanding. So we're, and, and it's, like, way more profitable. So that that's kind of, like... Um, this is probably why Niantic might actually... I guess this is probably why they have to do this to survive. Yeah. That, all that makes a lot of sense, yeah. I haven't thought about it too far. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Like, um, I've been thinking about AR for like... Since 2012 when I first heard of the Oculus, I'm like, okay, virtual reality is one thing, but I think AR is kind of like the end goal in that, you know... Remember Google Glasses and all those things? Like, you know... Imagine that, you know, you are a a person who can, like, you're, you're walking down the street and you can identify, oh, hey, I, want, I looked at that, um, I'm looking at the watch that you're wearing and it'll, like, do a search and I'll be like, oh, this is this exact model of watch and I, this is where I can buy it from and things like that. And, and then, like, you know, oh, hey, I'm walking, oh, it seems like there's, like, a potential hazard up ahead and it's this many like this distance away or hey this is this person i know what's their name how do i know them you know things like that like me yeah. like that's like kind of the future i'm thinking of but i'm i'm, I'm a <laughs> two of those chill, don't so. sound great <laughs> yeah I, I'm, a, I'm a corporate chill so of course you know <laughs> of course i everything i think about is just capitalism <laughs> yeah apparently <laughs> yeah apparently yeah I mean, let's be honest. I just want to feel like I'm I'm in a in a giant mech all the time with all the you know the stats and everything popping up. So maybe that that's just a fantasy <laughs> I want to live in. All the ads. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah. Imagine, oh my god! Imagine like, <laughs> like before, like every thirty minutes, you see an ad, but you can't get rid of it because it's in like your contact lenses or your glasses. It's just like. like you know how Spotify has ads? It's like the next hour of ad-free vision is provided by. <laughs> That's the dystopia I'm envisioning. I feel like Futurama already did that. Didn't yeah, that was like bad. dreams. Like I remember that in one of like the like the pilot episodes or something. Like one of the early yeah, episodes. it's an early one. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> ads and dreams. God. Oh, oh god make me sad <laughs> my, my children are gonna have a fun world to live in <laughs> my hypothetical children who don't exist yet <laughs> yeah they're um, like splashing around in the ocean that's all the world <laughs> they're also got these mech suits with ads in them. <laughs> yeah to tell them about a time when there were land when when we lived on land <laughs> and not in giant um flying like airships because everything went underwater <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we didn't, we weren't able to advance our tech fast enough to escape Waterworld. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, we had, like, <laughs> we actually like Kevin, like we've we've developed a religion around the movie Waterworld, and that's like the Bible for like it's like a whole <laughs> whole future society where that is the Bible. <laughs> and Kevin Costner's like God, he's the Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway um well speaking of projects being shuttered this is another i guess disappointing story so datalik entertainment who most notoriously most recently 
known for the release of uh, their their publishing and development of the game Lord of the Rings Gollum, uh, which came out in May, uh, has announced that, uh, and this is via a report uh, from a post on a German site called Games Wirtschaft. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Is that uh, the studio says that it's shutting down internal game development to focus on game publishing and sales and and marketing services for the games that it's going to publish. So this report um, also alleges that 25 employees, so out of the potential 90 plus staff members, have were recently laid off as a result of the restructuring. And that another Lord of the Rings uh, development, uh, a game that was in development, uh, which would, which apparently started last year, has been cancelled entirely. Uh, this apparently was set up as a follow-up to Gollum, which, given the fact that it was... I mean, not only was it a, a boring game, but it was also a very buggy game, and, the, and the, the company came out and issued a public apology via the, you know... The infamous image as a tweet, like, mm. like kind of trend that we we've, we've seen over the past few years. Yeah, so things things have been pretty rocky, and yeah, I guess Data Lake's like, yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna go back to just publishing. Yeah, it's kind of it's it just makes you sad. As <laughs> much of a disaster, Golem ended up being in every respect. Really, <laughs> it's just like it's sad to see. It kind of makes sense that they have such a small staff making a game of that scale too. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, that kind of, not that that you know necessarily means much, but it does make sense. Like oh, that kind of explains why that game is such in such a so troubled is that mm. they had like so few people working on it really. Yeah, but yeah, it's um yeah it's a bummer and. I guess like we, I was, I was having like kind of a discussion with Jake on our in a community Discord about you know the idea of like delaying games and how that's going to be better. But it's like in isolation, delaying a game doesn't necessarily make a game better. Like you're just making your you're making the devs crunch for another six to eight, like you know six to ten months or whatever. And it's like you need better management. You need you need to have. I think this is something that we we hear we we talked about with Redfall and and you know games like that where it's like you need to have someone with a clear vision so that there's always a goal to work towards and that goal shouldn't just be we need to get this game out it should be we need to ensure that you know this particular vision is being addressed in in or is is being kind of worked towards right and that the game represents all the values that this vision has right and then that way you have consistency across narrative, across gameplay, across you know technical things like that. And then when you you should have that. And then the other thing is like, okay, then you've got the QA staff who can talk about bugs and you know glitches and like issues, right? Or gameplay limitations. Like you know, just because a game is free of bugs doesn't mean the game's good. You need to like you know you could have a, like a perfectly perfectly bug free game, but it's just it's a it's boring. It's like bland because there's nothing, there's nothing interesting about it. So it's like you need a bit of both, and I think that's where like having really strong, I guess, management skills is really important. And I feel like that's what Nintendo does well. Yes, it gives a lot of time to its development teams, but I think it also like m- ensures that the, the directors of those games, the producers of those games, they're not just like promoted 
after doing well on other projects. Like, yes, they promote internally, but they also ensure that these people have maybe the, the right training or leadership training or project management training to ensure that they can, you know, corral this group of developers to to deliver a really solid, uh, you know, game, uh, you know, over the time period that they have. So I think that's where I think you need it. It's 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 one part vision, one part management, one part you know technical skills and things like that. So I think that's where you need everything together, and that's where games like Gollum and you know Redfall and stuff was just like, hey, we've done the analysis, the, we can release this game and issue an apology and take in pre-order money, you know, and take in some bonuses and stuff from the beginning. And just know that the game's not going to have a long tail. Like, it's not going to be selling months from now. It's like, we'll, we'll capitalize on all the pre-orders and then that's it. <laughs> you know, just... Mm. I don't think that's a cool way of doing things. Yeah. It, it makes me wonder just how they thought of the game before they launched it. And like, it's always an interesting thought experiment anyway. Like, Redfall yeah. was the exact same. Where it's mm. just like, well, like, what, what did they think of it? And it, I mean, I think in Redfall's case, they actually kind of were pretty aware of what it was, and yeah. I'm sure it was the case here. It usually is, but yeah. it's just, um, yeah, no, I think, I think you're largely right. It's like I think it's as like in recent years, it does seem like proper management and leadership, which is like yeah. not something I, yeah, I usually think too much of. I usually think of it in terms of how certain developers and game directors either get an excess of mm. uh like um what's the word not compliments <laughs> it's like you know like you know like the way like kojima Praise. and like a handful of others respect. yeah more or less like they're, they're just built up, yeah like they're <laughs> built up to such a like such a like uh pointed pedestal you know mm. At the expense mm. of all the other developers who do so much of the work, yeah. And like I don't like that aspect of it, or and also yeah. the crunch aspect, which is yeah. you know come into play the last five years or so. And it's like yeah. that's usually how I think of it, but it is at that point it's really easy to dismiss how yeah. essential actual leadership is yeah. when it does those things are less of a factor mm. or whatever. It doesn't really matter as much. You need the balance. Case, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you, you need like that's where someone like Kojima, who knows what he wants, he's got the, that clear vision in his mind. He's got you know the law set out, how the characters are going to look, how the, what are their motivations, you know, what are their names, you know, things like that. Yeah, sure, he's got all that. But then he's, he's got to look a, like Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> what what? Which one of my Hollywood? Which which one of my Hollywood pals can I rope into this project? <laughs> you know? Which hey, so many more power to him. More power to him. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> he hooked. He uh, he hung out with I think Nick Nick Nicholas Cage if you, like last month or something. So, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see something in Death Stranding too. <laughs> Guess, yeah, shouldn't matter. <laughs> yeah, but obviously mean, but he can't make yeah. a game on his own. He's got so many people around him at in at Kojima Produ- Productions, and I think they benefit from the fact that he knows he, like for better or for worse, he knows what he wants. So he he can probably like like as a project's going on, he can nip things in the bud when they're not consistent with the vision he has. Which I think yeah. that's where like other games have like like you know, like Redfall again doesn't have that cohesive vision. And that's why it suffers. Even without the bugs, the game isn't good. Like the game doesn't know what it wants to be. 
like it's serious in all the the environmental storytelling and on the premise but then as soon as you like as soon as your character talks or as soon as the people around you talk or as soon as you step outside all that falls away because it's like oh it's the middle of the day all the atmosphere is gone like and my characters are fucking annoying <laughs> yeah so yeah so we got our good beat down on redfall, <laughs> redfall for july yep, yep july <laughs> redfall beat down i'm gonna keep the oh, trend going i did want to i did want to point out though it's like i enjoyed the irony of you saying but it's like the rest of the people at kojima productions <laughs> like he named the studio <laughs> yeah. after himself um which is fine it makes yeah. sense for t- in terms of like getting money for the studio yeah. but it's like i yeah. do find that funny um <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, well, that, that's that's gonna do it for my rant slash yeah. soapbox yes. or whatever i did <laughs> <laughs> that was good um yeah but i think yeah. that does it for the news this week though yeah no nah, i think so so that's the news over the past week uh let's let's take it to the chit chat and talk about some of the things we've been watching Playing and or reading uh, over the past week. I'll start us off. Um, got a couple of things I want to talk about. Number one, I ju- um, just finished, or well, I guess the 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 most recent Gundam series just wrapped up this past Sunday. So Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury, which uh, debuted, premiered last year, um, had the second part, or well, I guess it was weird because instead of doing like a 24 to 26 episode season, and doing it in two parts, they straight up said the first twelve episodes are season one, the second set of episodes of twelve episodes are season two. So uh-huh. it was kind of like a, a little bit of a change on the formula. Wrapped up this week. Holy shit! Is an like it's a really engaging watch. It's like it's one of those things where every single character in that show has kind of changed, like from where they where the beginning of the show to the end and it's it's really fascinating how it goes from this kind of like oh here's a here's like here's these like a bunch of knucklehead kids at this like like high school and then it ends up with like themes of terrorism racism freedom sacrifice you know the power of (laughs) familial bonds and then it's like the the singularity and like political like there's a whole bunch of other stuff that like all happens within the space of 24 episodes plus one like prologue episode right it's really really interesting and it does the thing that classic like the really good Gundam series do where like the Gundams just become like background and it's more so about the relationships between the characters and, and what's going on there uh, so I think that's why I really enjoyed it because I think it 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 did stuff like what the original Gundam, Zeta Gundam, and the first season of Iron Blooded Orphans did, where it really told a human story, and then there just happened to be giant robots in the background, like right. <laughs> you know what I mean, or giant mechs in the background, more t- more accurately speaking. Uh, oh, yeah. okay, I won't spoil it, but yeah, like this is like Gundam meets Neon Genesis. Meets like political thriller. It's all in one place. I I I would highly encourage everyone to check it out. Mm. It's it's on Crunchyroll and I think it's on YouTube as well. So 
there's a uh, it's 24 episodes 20 minutes each and there's like a pro like a shorter prologue episode that kind of kicks everything off you know if, if you don't like the prologue episode you know maybe you won't like it john hmm. you i remember you watching a little bit of the prologue and yeah then I, think I, wa- I watched the prologue it. and then i watched the first episode and then i forgot to come back to it even though i did yeah. enjoy it um yeah. which does oh, okay. remind me that yeah. i should come back to it um i was gonna ask like how do you like because you're a big gundam fan like how do you rank like how would you rank this one right now Ooh, so i so i, I think it's up there like i i've so for context i've seen gundam like the original gundam uh, series. Then I've seen Zeta Gundam, which is the follow-up. I'm currently working my way through Gundam ZZ, which is fucking terrible. But <laughs> apparently, so it's like forty something episodes. Apparently, the second half is like much more. It's much better. But you yeah. have to work through all the the, the beginning stuff. I've also seen um, half of like Reconquista in G, which was kind of like eh, and then. Iron-Blooded Orphans is really good, especially season one. Season two just like kind of goes. It's it's it goes off the deep end in like kind of like like a way you're like oh wait why are these good guys now acting like this, and I I think this ranks like I think this would be like for me like top 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 three I guess like in terms of what I've seen so far like. Right. I'm not the biggest Gundam like aficionado. Like I know there's so many other series that I need to watch and, and go through, but I'm hoping by the end of the year I can like have like a a, a ranking list for myself. But yeah, yeah I, I really enjoyed it. It's it's um yeah, it's it's definitely intense. Like it's not like a light watch. Even though the first few episodes might like I think like the first like ten episodes are pretty light. That's like, half the series. <laughs> yeah, and then it just it escalates like it just right. goes crazy, yeah. and you're just like, "Oh my god, what, what the fuck?" And then the I next episode is like, "What the fuck?" And then yeah, <laughs> it just keeps going. I do feel like I should try and get on it sooner rather than later because, like, whatever yeah. circles I am in online, I've done a yeah. pretty good job avoiding pretty much every aspect of the series so far. <laughs> other than that, yeah. it gets intense. Like that's basically yeah. all I know about it. Other yeah. than, like all I know about is that it gets Gundam as hell, and it's like emotionally with with draining <laughs> i think yeah that's my understanding yeah. of it so it's yeah. like uh, but it's like oh i haven't been spoiled on anything that actually happens so it's like i really should oh, try and perfect. get it onto it soon watch it man <laughs> yeah especially before uh, before some of the other anime comes out that you were talking about in, in october so that you're going to talk about sorry so yeah i definitely definitely recommend everyone go and watch mobile suit gundam the witch of mercury you can watch it on crunchyroll and i guess a few different places at the moment um, yeah, definitely would recommend that. Uh, number two, I've been watching. I've finished the first two episodes of Marvel's Secret Invasion. Currently, like halfway through the third episode. Essentially, all you need to know is um, after Endgame. Oh, sorry. You know, between Infinity War and Endgame, there were five years that Nick Fury. You know, ev- pretty much half of every sentient being was away. That you know, everyone was brought back in Endgame. But then Nick Fury decided, "Fuck this! I'm just gonna go. S- I'm just gonna spend the next few years up in my spaceship. Fuck everyone else. I don't want to deal with any shit." So he abandons everyone, and then he's back now because basically there's been a division with the scrolls. So the scrolls introduced in uh, Captain Marvel are the shape-shifting race of aliens who, you know, were, were in were in like war with the Kree. They lost the war. They lost their home planet, and they've kind of been 
spread out throughout the galaxy and a whole bunch of them landed on Earth, uh, came into contact with Nick Fury and stuff and they were basically working for S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick Fury over the, like, the last 30 years or so, right? So essentially, there's been a division, there's a bunch of the Kree who are like, a, a bunch of the scrolls who are like, hey, let's stay secret and just peacefully coexist with the humans and then the other group is like, fuck that, we need a home. Let's Humans are going to destroy themselves anyway because that's just how they are as creatures. Let's make Earth our home. And basically Nick Fury is kind of trying to work with Talos, who is the, the Ben Mendelsohn character from Captain Marvel. Like He's kind of like the pro-human, you know, uh, scroll. He's like working with Nick Fury to say, hey, we've got to stop them from destroying, you know, from like humanity from encouraging humanity to destroy each other but the whole thing throughout the whole show is that basically nick fury's washed up he abandoned everyone so everyone's pissed off with him because he fucked off for years and didn't want to do didn't want to help anyone with anything and basically every episode is like fuck you nick what are you doing here you suck like every episode is a different like every time they introduce a new character that character just turns around and says to nick fury you suck <laughs> And he's it's not wearing mad. his eye patch anymore, so everyone has to look at his gross eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's just like so it's just like being like two and a half hours so far just everyone like you're just being told time and time again that Nick Fury sucks and that he hasn't achieved anything himself. It was all the because he had other people do his dirty work and people are sick and tired of his shit. And now he's <laughs> been brought on he's he's been he's come back to try and make things right. Like it's just it's kind of like it's unironic it's like ironically funny where it's just like the, the is this if if you call this series everybody hates nick i would believe you because that's just every single episode is just like nick fury sucks and here's how he sucks oh here's this other character telling you how he sucks and it's it's just like <sighs> yes it's it's a phase what is it phase four phase five now like yeah. it's a phase five show so it's I don't know, it's like, it's passable, like it's fine, but it's not f- It's not enjoyable in the way that, you know, you'd like it to be. Right. It's it does It does make me think just then that like, I, did, I don't really have any intention of watching Secret Invasion all that soon. It depends on how people feel about it once it's finished. Yeah, once it's wrapped up, yeah. And even then, maybe, I don't know, I'm just not too excited about it, but it's like, um, yeah. One thing it makes me think of, like you're talking about, like how it's all about everyone being frust- angry at Cage. Um, how you it's mean, uh, Fury, Fury, <laughs> not Nick Cage, <laughs> Nick Fury. <laughs> that would be a different. Yeah, right. Show. You that said that name cool. earlier. That's, I was trying to think about. I kind of get that confused. Um, anyway, yeah, with Fury, it made me think. It's like I feel like a big draw of Nick Fury as a character in the MCU yeah. and just in general is like not knowing a ton about him. So I was thinking, yes. I was like, oh, I don't love the idea of learning more about him yeah, in a like, show, like spending a lot of time doing that. Like, I don't know how it's actually going to turn out or anything. Like, maybe it just <laughs> won't be enough information to ruin that or anything. It does feel yeah. like one of those things where it's like, I don't, I'm not that curious about Fury's mm, background like, or anything. Like, Nick Fury was cool, you know, like he was kind of, yeah, yeah. He was kind of presented as this cool, like, like you don't you don't mess with Nick Fury. He's proven himself. He's got an eye patch, so you know he's been through some shit. Oh no, it turns out he got scratched by a cat. <laughs> like that's, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, sorry, a flurkin. But you know, like it's like, and so you, by the time you get to this, it's like it turns out. Oh no, he's now he's just old and broken, and just 
sad and he's like like kind of like a coward and he abandoned all his friends but he's still a dick about it like i don't know if this is like some sort of like uh some sort of <laughs> systematic you know analysis of the toxic male like toxic <laughs> alpha male but somehow yeah. it's becoming that yeah. but <laughs> it's got like you know <laughs> but through a marvel lens <laughs> you know what i mean so it's kind of like like my um, my wife, like bless her heart, like she's watching it with me just because she doesn't know what else to watch. I'm like, she's just like, okay, fine, let's just watch this. And then the whole time, she just got this like look on her face, like, what? Why? Like, wh- like Nick, Fury, shut up, Nick. You suck. I'm like, just just shut up. You, it's like, and then my wife is like, you could film me taking a dump, and there would be a more entertaining show than this. I'm like, okay, like that's uh, she's like, why are you watching this? I'm like, oh, because it's Marvel. I have to watch it. I have to know what's happening. She's like, why? <laughs> Marvel's done. Like, just Endgame was it. Like that should have been the last thing. <laughs> um, oh, God, I was gonna say. Oh yeah, it does remind me that I was like the Marvels. Like the trailer for the Marvels looked really good. I'm very into that. I, mean, I just realized, like, oh, this show could actually link into that a bit. Maybe <laughs> that's important. Yeah. But um, that, but first, they're going to have to remind people who they are. Who are these other women? <laughs> like, there's Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, and uh, Monica Rambeau, whatever her character is. Hmm. I, I, I <laughs> yeah. keep, oh, Spectrum, that's it. Is um, it Spectrum? Okay. I think, I think that's who she's based on. Um, ah, okay. Fair enough. Well, yeah. <laughs> See, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think I didn't so. mention that anywhere. No, they haven't. I'm just saying. Yeah. Like that's my understanding. Like of that's it. that's the other thing. Like the Marvel way of like introducing the name of a character is like, it's not like oh hey I'm this character, or like hey I'm gonna have this moment. It's like call me this character, right? Like it's like they'll just show like oh here's a dossier being thrown on the ground and like there's just like a code name in there in like the top right hand corner that it's just like oh this is an easter egg for fans but there's no actual like saying like oh i like you know what i mean like that's what's mm-hmm. annoying <laughs> like, i guess like, <laughs> scarlet witch is never named scarlet witch until one division yeah. or no until the multiverse of madness i think mean, like it's just like oh, no, she's Wanda called. I think it's One Division, right? Because it's like when she's yeah, called the Scarlet Agatha Witch. Agatha Harkness calls her. Yeah, like she becomes the 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 Scarlet Witch in that, which I think is fine. Like, right? I get yeah. what you mean, but I, yeah. I never thought about it too much to be honest. But it's like yeah, it's, you know? it is kind of a curious thing. Yeah. Whereas, like, I feel like the, all the 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 movies, like every movie that introduces a character, it's like oh, I am Iron Man. Oh, I'm Thor. This is what I do. I'm I'm the Hulk. I'm this. I'm that. Whereas now it's just like, I'm my character and I'm just this generic superhero who's apparently got all this history and this other stuff with me, but none of that's like explored. It's just like some very generic, like kind of, I'm just another agent and I just happen to get these powers. And that's the thing with Spectrum. It's like, she's not really like remarkable. <laughs> well, like, I, mean, you know, I don't yeah. know. She had a whole thing in WandaVision, right? That's where she came yeah, from. Yeah, she touched the dome, that she got these powers and then she instantly warped away somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it just happened. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you mean. Yeah. But it's like, I think, yeah. like it's like we had her the very beginning of her orange origin story yeah. and then we haven't been revisited that in years. So yeah. it's kind of a little bit of a hard sell, I suppose. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, part of me is just like, I wish they just start afresh and be like we're just going to restart the MCU but now we're going to tell the story for the other character like we're going to 
talk about other characters like instead of saying this is our version of the vision this is our version of this this and that maybe be like oh okay we're gonna this is like you know how the reason why the MCU exists is because Sony didn't have the because those are the characters those are like the B to D grade kind of superheroes and that's the only ones that were available to make movies about so now these characters have become the A-list. <laughs> so now let's talk about the other people, like who weren't kind of you know talked about things like that. So yeah, well, I mean, um, we might begin yeah. that soon because like I think they're yeah, doing Young wanna, Avengers and they're doing Fantastic yeah. Four. There might be enough. I, I, I feel yeah. like it might take a while. Like maybe it's when they get to X Men that things will feel yeah. fresh again. I don't. Know. I think the problem now is that Marvel's got to a Marvel movies and shows have got to a point where the comics got to where the barrier to entry is so high that it's not fun anymore. Like maybe it's also not great that. consistently. I feel like no. that's a big part of it. Yes, like for every like you get a Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I'd be getting this discussion again. <laughs> I feel oh, like we've already had it. this talk. Yeah, I feel like we always have this. <laughs> you get okay. Here's the thing: you get one good Marvel thing a year, and everything else is from mediocre to passable. So yeah. we already used up our 2023 option and that was for Guardians of the Galaxy. So <laughs> you've got to wait till next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, that's my Marvel rant for this week. <laughs> um, I've been playing more Breath of the Wild. I still haven't gotten to Kakariko Village. I'm just like, I don't know where well, to go. have you been doing that? <laughs> I've just been doing shrines. I don't uh, know what this. I don't know what to do in this game. Like I'm just like collecting shrines and stuff. I'm not really progressing anywhere. And now I think I now I'm finally heading towards Kakariko Village because I stumbled upon uh, like this. I don't know some some river crossing, and then there's a stable there, and the stable guy's like, "Oh, by the way, keep walking north. You you'll get to Kakariko Village. And by the way, there's this other village where there's this scientist lady, and that's where you get the camera. But How do you I needed miss the camera this stuff. Like it's right there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know. This is like whole yeah. part of like the middle of the map that I didn't even explore. Yeah, because <laughs> it took me. It, it took me like several, several hours into the game before I realized that doing the towers unlocks the regional map. So, <laughs> so I was just like walking around just in this whole black area trying to figure out. Like they say, oh, you got to go to Lake Hillia or something to do like fight the, the elephant guy. And then I was just like, okay, well, I know he's in this region somewhere. So I'm just going to like look through my Sheikah binoculars, ping the map, and then just like walk in a straight line towards it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's it. <laughs> Quite a so basically, I've, <laughs> I've just been role playing as a lost explorer. That's that's basically what I've been doing. Who happens to swing a sword? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Check yeah. in next time, I guess. <laughs> See how I you guess, go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, what I've been doing is like uh, just doing the shrine so I can bump up my stamina and my. I've been primarily doing stamina because it makes the traversal so much easier if I yeah. can actually climb aboard the towers without having to like like take a rest every two seconds um yeah and then anyway so I'm, I'm hoping that once i get to kakariko village and meet the sheikah people i will actually get the next piece of story stuff that'll propel me along for the next few hours because right now i'm like i oh, got wait, another where horse is, is kakaru village near the start or am i thinking of something else so it's in the middle of the so if you go in the middle of the map it's like you go to like this like kind of the dueling peaks. So I'm near the dueling peaks. So I just oh, met that, that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then apparently that's where Kakariko Village is because 
Otherwise, the game is just like, go north and you'll find Kakariko Village. But I'm like, am I assuming that the top of the map is north? Because there's no compass direction anywhere. But if you go to the north, there's Death Mountain and all this stuff near the Zoras. I'm like, no, this is not the right place. So it's just like, okay, now that I've kind of stumbled onto the dueling peaks, and I'm like, okay, this is where I'm meant to have gone hours ago, apparently. <laughs> now I'm going there. Is there not a mini-map? <laughs> I thought there was. Uh, or maybe not then. Who knows? Oh, never mind. Who knows? Oh, All yeah, I know is that. All I know is that I, I'm, like, <laughs> there I is the north like, indicator on it. <laughs> is <laughs> it okay? Maybe I'm just like I get, I get, I get. I understand it's getting like lost, lost in, in everything. Yeah, yeah, like it is a, uh, more like. It gives you like at least when I revisited it, like I said before, it's yeah. like I was surprised at how little direction it. Like there is direction there, but it's not as um, yeah, laid out as I think I expected it to be. And yeah. I was surprised at how quickly you can kind of lose track of the right way to go (laughs) exactly and it's like now having a horse is kind of annoying because he always like now that i want to climb or go somewhere then i'm like oh the horse is like stuck behind here but i don't know if i can just go to any boarding station and then get my horse out and it just magically teleports to you okay cool because maybe i'll just do that and i just got a horse that's like one color so like that is better than those spotty horses so hopefully that means that I can travel further with this horse now. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I don't know. I'm just, I'm like, now that I'm finally heading towards Kakariko Village, I'm like, okay, now I can actually um, make progress in the story. Because <laughs> right. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's the worst way to experience the game, but it also no, no, doesn't sound not. like you're it's having just, the yeah. least frustrating time with it. <laughs> it's just like, now I'm just like, okay, now it's nighttime, then those creases, like those swarms of creases are just annoying me. And I'm just like, I just want to get from here to there. Just get out of my way. I don't want. I don't want to fight you. I don't want to have to cook things. I don't want to have to like, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, I just, I just want to know where to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. <laughs> you know, to be fair, if I woke up from a hundred year slumber, I also would be like, where the fuck is everything? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, because apparently only the horny Zoras remember me. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's that's gonna do it for me, uh, John. You've been uh, you've been reading some Pluto. Yeah, I've been doing much gaming, like as I said, but um, I did start reading um, Naoki Urasawa's Pluto. Um, the reason I was started reading it is because I heard about the anime adaptation coming out in October, um, mm-hmm. and then when I was reading people's reactions to it, it's like, oh, if this is half as good as the manga, this is gonna be incredible. It's like, oh, that's high praise. And then I saw another comment saying it's like, oh, it's from the same author as Monster this like kind of serial killer um, mystery manga, which I also haven't touched, but I've, I keep hearing such <laughs> incredible things Good about it over the years. So it's like um, Urasawa is like an especially acclaimed manga author, basically. And this one sounded interesting. It's also not very long. It's only like eight, eight volumes long. Um, so I started reading the scans and then I ended up buying all eight volumes on Amazon yesterday and it got <laughs> delivered today. Ooh. So they're sitting in my bed now, so I'll get onto those, like the paper versions. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, so I've read a couple of volumes already, like through the scans online. And so it's basically like, it's a sci-fi murder mystery based on a specific arc in the original Astro Boy series, um, like the manga and then the you know anime series as well. Um, but yeah, it's basically someone is killing like the most significant, strongest 
like robots left in the world. Um, no, not left. Like they're still making robots. Like the robot human uh, dichotomy is like a major theme of the series. Is like they're their own population with their own lives, basically. Yeah. Um, so it's but there's like you know certain robots that are were made to be significantly stronger and smarter in certain gotcha. ways, and they have their own histories and. It's really fascinating. And, like, one thing that stood out to me, aside from just everything being so high quality in in their own right, is just Mm. how striking the imagery can be. Because that made me think about how there's, like, constantly these, like, panels and images throughout it where it's like, oh, wow, that's, like, so evocative and amazing and striking. And I was like, I feel like that's rare for sci-fi specifically to hit me like that. Because it has such kind of, like, a moody, gothic, like, almost, like, you know, dark fantasy quality to some of these images sometimes, but it's like, it's so specifically sci-fi and like that, you know, that meshing sci-fi with sort of these like more um, like mythic imagery sometimes. That's it's like, it's, cool. it's, it's very, like, it's very impressive so far. Like it shouldn't be a surprise. Like that's the reputation it's got, but it's like, yeah. um, but yeah, but I basically wanted to start, like I wanted to read it before the Netflix anime came out. Um, partly mm. just cause it's like, I want something new to read anyway. And yes. the anime, like, I think I, my understanding of what how the anime series works, which is something I haven't heard about in an anime series before, which is that it's going to be eight 60-minute episodes Holy rather shit, than 20-minute cool. episodes. They're like so feature I, length. Yeah, and I think they've been working on it for like six years or something. It's been oh. a long time. So Netflix I, is just distributing wow. it. But they've been oh, okay. working on This is like one of those like mega projects, I think, you know, because yeah. you know, sometimes they come about and it's like, oh, okay, we've been just been working on this thing forever gotcha. and nothing can stop it. <laughs> it's like, you know, how Akira looked Fair absurd. Enough. And I mean, that's just the main example, really. But there's a lot of projects yeah. like that here and there. And it's just yeah. like that made me very excited about it. Where it's like, oh, it's getting that sort of production. My only concern is that whenever Netflix does anime, it kind of does the fake... So whenever it does a sub, like usually you know you got the the original Japanese audio with the subtitle, English subtitles or other language subtitles versus like an English dub. What Netflix does, which is really annoying versus like proper, you know, subs, is that Netflix's subtitles are just the English dialogue. And right. usually the English dialogue in a lot of um like the English dubs, sometimes they change the elements, they change the names or they change some of the like the translations are much more loose and it's something that I've noticed with Netflix a lot because I watch a lot of Bollywood, like I watch a lot of things from like India so because I, I understand Hindi and Bengali and stuff like I know when the subtitle doesn't match what they're saying right. and it's really <laughs> annoying and and then like when Netflix does the same thing with its anime but the thing is like because I don't understand because I don't understand Japanese like I'm like but I know that I'm not getting the right translation, but I don't know mm. what the real translation is. So it's like frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Like that's I feel my like concern. That, like, I think it's only. a good concern in this case too, because it feels like the yeah. writing is so, it can be quite essential. So like, yeah. I, don't, I imagine it wouldn't change too much. Yeah. I think like from mm. reading it, I think a lot of it can be, um, at least like the scan leaders, you know, which I don't yeah. think is the official, but it's like, I don't know the way it's written. I wouldn't be as worried about it because it's not okay. quite as like, um, you know, specifically personalized. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in terms of how it's ca- their characters speak, and 
I'm not sure if that's a good way to put it, but yeah, I know. Uh, but it's a good concern to have because I didn't think that at all, and that does make me a little worried <laughs> about how it's going to turn out. Yeah, but that's that's um, that's why um that's why I switched because I, I started watching JoJo, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure on Netflix, and that's why I switched to Crunchyroll because the Netflix translation was incorrect. Yeah, like they blatantly got things wrong. Like, I'm like, yeah. And then I watched the Crunchyroll. I'm like, this makes a lot more sense to what they're actually saying and acting like. And then I was like, oh, but now that once you're conscious of that, you're like, oh, if, if, Nef- if, this, is, if this is the only way we're going to be able to watch this, this is... I'm like, I just hope Netflix is like, we're going to distribute it. You can watch it on us, but we're not going to touch the translation. If Netflix <laughs> says that, I'll be like, fine, I'm, I'm on board. Mm. But if I have to wait three months for like, you know, the the torrents of the 4k rips with like fan subs yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know i'll be like oh it's 2005 all over again <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's uh, but i'm an old man so you know apparently no it's apparently like i I'm think it's like <laughs> <laughs> i think you've got a specific circumstance where you can really feel it more than others yeah. but now that i've re- like i forgot that <laughs> and now that i know it again <laughs> it's gonna be annoying yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the thing and, and i think because like it's not just anime now that i know that it's with all netflix like stuff like other things that they're producing that's oh, why it's right. like oh and like you know similar things happened with um squid games where there were two versions of the english subs one was like the actual almost literal translation of the korean and then the other one was like kind of like a dumbed down, a dumbed down, like colloquialized kind of like interpretation of it. And it's like, oh, the only way you knew you had the right one, like it was like kind of luck of the draw. It was like one was just labeled English and one was labeled English auto, like, you know, sub subtitle, like some, some other description, right? And it, it was like completely, it, it wasn't even up to you if you got the correct translation. It's up to the, the device settings as to whether or not which which subtitles were selected for the audio track. So it's like, yeah. I don't want to have to worry about that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah anyway. actually, I don't think I actually knew that either. <laughs> like, I think oh, really? I, I remember the Squid okay. Games thing at some point. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. But I actually, I don't think I realized that it applied to other, like, foreign language things yeah. in the same way as well. It's like, oh, oh that's, a real, so that's a real shame that they do that. It's yeah, so just lazy. like, oh, just <laughs> take it seriously. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't need, I don't know, anyway. Like, I, I guess that's why more and more people aren't, I guess people are like maybe, I know in America, like when I hear p- people on podcasts talking, they're like, Netflix isn't like a given for them anymore. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like for me, it's like, oh, Netflix is just a thing I'm always going to have subscribed to. <laughs> yeah. My mom's kind of like that. That's how I have yeah. access to it. It's like, it's actually yeah. hard to imagine this household not having it, you know, because it's just <laughs> that one, one of those things. Yeah, it's like before Netflix, the BN, like we'll be using, like, you know, before 2016, like when, like Netflix came to Australia in like 2016, I think, or 2015. So it's just like, like we, it's like a time before Netflix and then afterwards (laughs) (laughs) for us, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I remember yeah. I, I like I actually like VPN'd my way to a Netflix US account <laughs> so I could watch Arrested Development season oh, four. Gotcha. Yeah, which <laughs> so like I had, I had it before one, that. Right? Yeah, it's it's much nicer yeah. having native. <laughs> yeah, I remember that being annoying, sure. but it's um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, anyway. yeah I, I'm super psyched because um, I I love Astro Boy. I, I I was I watched the 2003 series like like you know whatever episodes were shown on. I don't even think it was on Cheese TV or Toasted TV. I think it was like one of those like 
ABC distributed cartoons, like, you know, like oh, after okay. school. Because so. I, I watched it at some point as well, but I don't remember yeah. anything about it anymore. Because it was the 2000... So the one I'm familiar with is the 2003 anime adaptation, which is separate to the... Because it was like, you know, the, the manga started in the 50s, but then in the 80s, like there was like a 60s cartoon, which, you know, probably our grand... Like only people in Japan probably watched. Then there was like the 80s adaptation that came to the West. And then... 2003 is when it was like kind of like like almost day and date like simultaneous like this is a big thing in japan and it's a big thing in in the west as well i think like you know by that time like dragon ball z pokemon gundam wing like made anime cool in the west so yeah, i remember that like, i remember yeah. that one we watched those kids being awesome though. <laughs> I, yeah, I barely remember anything about it but like <laughs> I, I feel like they were like one or two moments that if i saw it again it would hit me really hard <laughs> yeah because that's the thing like I think like Godzilla, like I think Astro Boy was also kind of like some commentary about, you know, playing with technology and things like that. So Yeah, that makes sense. That was probably lost on me. I was just like, Oh, he's a he's a robot kid. And he's got a like a very sympathetic uh, like robot dad. Like a you know, like Doctor Wiley like dad. But then and then these then Pluto was the like the evil like, you know, bully, but you know, he's actually not that bad. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> enough about talking about. Oh my so god! So much that, anime. <laughs> twenty years ago. Now that I think about it, two thousand three was twenty years ago. All right, I'm, I'm gonna have to. Okay, we're gonna have to end this podcast because I'm gonna go cry, and um, <laughs> start writing up my will because I'm old now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go have dinner and then cry. <laughs> so yes. Same boat. <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for the chit-chat section for this week. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can head over to doublejump.co to find all of our uh, all of our different articles and links to our social media pages. Maybe by the time this goes up, we'll have a threads, <laughs> an official <laughs> threads um, uh, profile as well. We do have a Mastodon, which all of our content gets shared to, but... I don't know, maybe like the 20 people who use Mastodon and not complain about Twitter might <laughs> might find that interesting. So we'll, we'll, um, we'll see how that goes. And yeah, head over to our site also for a link to our community Discord. It's uh, brand new. We've got a lot, a lot of cool stuff happening there, a lot of great conversations. And if you want a bit more of like an in-depth conversation about some of the topics we've talked about there, feel free to start some threads in our Discord and we'll uh we'll chime in but yeah john thank you once again always always a pleasure yeah definitely yeah thanks beer yeah yeah so uh yeah until next time everyone look out for one another peace bye Thank you.